right, so this morning, uh, I, I want to talk about uh, second servings. Uh, I don't know, are, are you one to go back for seconds uh, during a good meal? You know, um, I love to go back, particularly when it comes to desserts, and particular desserts is apple pie. Um, you know, usually Diane makes two apple pies when we're in the apple pie making season. One is for me, and, and one is for the rest of the family. And after I finished mine, I usually try to go back for more of whatever's left over from the rest of the family. Um, going back again. When I was in, I believe it was 11th grade, I was taking geometry class. It was the hardest class that I took in high school, probably. And it's the only class that in the second quarter of the school year, I failed. I got a 60 this quarter in, in school. And... And you might think I was really upset about that. I was just a little bit upset. Um, it just kind of tells you a little bit about the kind of student I was back in those days. Uh, but Mr. Sapko was the most famous geometry teacher in the history of Lakeland High School. Um, and he would say to all of his students, if you're not doing well in my class, you've got a double dose. He said, you've got to come to your class, but then you've got to skip lunch and come to my class again. And so I, I, I better double dose. And so for the third quarter and the fourth quarter, I double dosed in Mr. Sapko's geometry class, took the Regents at the end of the year, and ended up with like a 94 or something like that. So there is something to um, going through something once and then returning a second time. And that's kind of what we're at this morning. It's where we're at this morning when it comes to this this subject of love, because we looked at love just a couple of weeks ago. Uh, John has kind of used this as a theme that's run all throughout this book, this, um, this, this essential component to the Christian life of love, but he's going back a second time, uh, not only to talk about the fact of God's great love, but also to talk about the act of his great love. So if you have your Bible, open it up to 1 John chapter 4, and let me just read a couple of verses starting in verse 7 and 8. Here's what it says. It says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. And so here he is, dishing out a second helping of brotherly love. And, and as we're reading that, you're probably saying, yeah, that does sound familiar, Pastor Brian. Um, you know, you did talk about that just a couple of weeks ago. And no, you're not having a case of deja vu. This is the way that, that John writes. He writes something, he introduces the subject, and then he comes back to it and returns to it, and he reinforces what he already said, and then he builds upon what he already laid out. And and, and so throughout this book of 1 John, he's talking about this idea of verifying your faith to make sure that what you're cultivating is, is the real deal and not the counterfeit. And he said, look at three areas. Um, look at these three tests to make sure you can pass them. One is the, 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 the test of truth. Um, one is the, you know, the test of truth over lies. The second is the test of obedience over over just sinfulness, and, and the third is the, the test of love instead of hate. And so he's covered them already, but, but he keeps on weaving back and forth, returning to them and adding to them, and, and, and he says, choosing 
to love one another is something you need to double dose on. We've talked about it already, but let's return to it. And, and that may be a very good thing at a time like this that we're in, right? That, that the season that we find ourselves in when it's been probably more challenging for, for brothers and sisters in Christ to love each other more so than it has probably been at any other time um, in a very long time, maybe in my entire lifetime. You know, tensions are so high, and, and there's uncertainty about how things are going to play out all around us. And, and what that means, what I see there is that there are very specific and particular discipleship opportunities, discipleship issues that this season that we're in has surfaced. And depending on how you look at that, it's going to determine a lot of different things. I see that, that that's a good thing. That's an opportunity. That means that the Holy Spirit is opening up space in our lives, pointing out issues that he wants to work on, that he wants to address, that he wants to deal with and grow us up in, and that's a good thing. And, 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 and it seems like um, a lot of it has been about this issue of, are we loving one another? Are we loving one another? Are we really committed to loving one another in the body of Christ? Um, you know, if we're up for that, I believe that we'll be able to look back on this season and see it as a season of significant spiritual growth. But we've got to be tuned into the right voices. We've got to be tuned into the, to the voice of the Holy Spirit and, and not just the spirit of the age. And, and, and we have to be taking our cues from Christ and not from the culture and not what the f- news feeds are, are telling us. And, and, so, and so maybe some of the discipleship challenges in this season that we're in, maybe it's, maybe it's about growing the humility to love my brother and my sister in Christ instead of despising them, even though they may disagree with my take on a particular issue. Is that, is that possible? Could that be something that God wants to grow in us? Or, or to recognize that just because my sister in Christ doesn't subscribe to my particular slogan, that I don't slap a label on her, that I don't call her a part of the problem, and I still open up my life to love her. Or, or, or maybe, maybe it's about what I think is the right call to make on any number of different issues, like, like wearing face masks or opening up schools, and, and maybe just realizing that my point of view may not be the point of view. Maybe I don't need to have the final say and be the final authority on it because I am not the authority on it. And I can defer. And I can actually maybe do this thing called submission. Submit to human authorities, which this book says something about. That's That's a part of growing in our walk with the Lord being willing to defer to human leaders who are imperfect, um, that might be something that God's calling us to grow in. And, and so what I'm saying is, let's not miss these opportunities. They're there. They're all around us. And, and according to John, what he says here is, whatever season we're in, right here, right now, 
let's make that choice to love one another. Because love, he says, is from God. Lock into loving your brothers and your sisters in Christ. Give it everything you've got. It's a distinguishing feature of a life that's been connected to Christ, that's been connected to the source of love. And so he talks about different ways to do that. And, and the first way we do that is by living our lives for this, from this orientation of ongoing amazement ongoing amazement over the love of God. Here's what he says. He says, uh, beloved, I'm sorry, he says, in this, oops, next slide. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Here's what he's saying, loving each other is a byproduct of continually being blown away by the amazing love of God that he has for us. And, and John zeroes in on this jaw-dropping love of God, and he reminds us again that, that Jesus is the ultimate I love you. He's the ultimate I love you, that God demonstrated his love for us by sending his one and only son into this broken world. And, and, and so here's the point. The point isn't just that God loves us. It's how he loves us, how he demonstrated his love for us. And there is a direct connection between the love of God and the sending of his son, Jesus. Those two subjects are tied together and they cannot be severed. We cannot sever the love from God from the sending of his son. And that's why, that's why truth matters. That's why truth and love are tied together. That's why the truth about Jesus matters so much. And, and in last week's passage, it made the point, don't believe every spirit. Don't believe every message that's told about Jesus, if it diminishes the reality that Jesus came in the flesh, that he entered into this world, that he saved us from our sin. If someone just says, God loves you, but leaves the particulars about Jesus, who he is, whether he came, why he came, what he accomplished, all of that doesn't matter, all of that's not relevant. That's, that's the message. That's not a message of love, that's a lie. And John says, if you buy that lie, it's going to lead you astray. So reject that message. God loved us so much that he sent his son to make us alive to God in a way that we could never be on our own. He demonstrated his love for us by settling the sin issue between us and God, by being what this passage says is the propitiation for our sin, the satisfying, satisfactory, uh, atoning sacrifice. So in other words, he didn't just dismiss our sin or blow it off, sweep it under the rug. He loved us so much that he settled the sin issue. He resolved it. He dealt with it decisively and thoroughly through Jesus, who he said he sent to do all that to be the propitiation for our sins. That, that means that, that Jesus resolved the, the sin issues by taking our debts, by taking our rebellion, by taking our offenses onto himself and paying the price 
that was ours for us. It means that everything that needed to be done for, for you and for me to be able to stand before God forgiven and accepted, that was all done there when Jesus hung on the cross. He died so we could live, and he did it out of love for you and for me. And if you've responded to what Jesus has done and you've trusted in him personally, that issue of where you stand with God, that's settled. Put a check on that box. That is dealt with. And and here's the thing. If you're here this morning or if you're tuning in online and and you haven't responded to that ultimate expression of love, I I, want to invite you to let this be the day. I want to urge you to let today be the day and turn in faith to Jesus. Trust that what he did there on the cross, he did for you. He gave everything he had to give out of love for you to make you right with God. That's not just the fact that God loves us. It's the act of God's love, and it's Jesus. The message is what we call the gospel. And and, and that message just means that salvation or getting right with God, that's not something that we achieve. It's something we receive, right? That's why John reminds us that our love for God, what we love God with, that's not the barometer. That's never the right reference point. It's always about God's love for me and responding to that. He says, this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation, the satisfying sacrifice for our sins. And one thing to take note of in that is just to notice that the pronouns there are plural. You know, this, this, is, this is we, are not you and your, right? John's not pointing out, you guys got to get yourselves right and be like me. He says, no, we're all on the same ground. This is the baseline from which Christian community is created. This astounding demonstration of love that I am in as much need of as you are and you are and you are and any person we can point to in this earth. We are all equally in need of the love of God shown to us through the sending of his son. And the good news is that he came. He loves us that much. And so this amazing love of God, when it's looming large over our lives, here's the point. It just, it swings open the doors for us to love one another. See, that's the point. That's the point. The point is that there's, there's just... No getting over, not just the fact of God's love, but we don't get over the act of God's love. <laughs> this, this love that sent the Savior for me. Amazing love. How can it be that, that thou, my God, would die for me? Right? You don't, you don't get over that. That's, that's astounding. The, 5,000th time you've heard it as it is the first time you've heard it. And, and I love that, you know, John, remember, this is John the Beloved. This is John who was, you know, best friends with Jesus. He spent more time with Jesus than probably any other person on this earth, knew him. And he's writing this letter at the end of his life. He is, at this point, he's John the Elder. He's an old man. He's writing this book or this letter, and he still hasn't gotten over it. 
He hasn't gotten over it. And, and the question is, have we gotten over God's love? Right? That Christ and the cross and the sacrifice he made, has that become old hat? We can disengage ourselves so much that, that we can hear about the love of God. We can hear about what Jesus did, and it doesn't stir our emotions. It doesn't stir our affections. And we can be like, yeah, that's kind of nice, but uh, what else you got? There's, there's nothing else. That's front and center. And living in this ongoing amazement, not only over the fact, but also on the act of God's love. That's what positions us to love each other. That vertical reality affects our horizontal relationships. And so, and so let that loom large. Carry that wonder. Carry that amazement into your everyday relationships. And there's a friend of mine who he has this, uh, this way of responding. Anytime I ask him, hey, how's, how, how are you doing today? And his response is, I'm, I'm doing better than I deserve. Isn't that true? We've been loved. We're doing better than we deserve. And here's the thing. So when things start going sideways in relationships, and you know that eventually, relationships, they tend to go sideways at one point or another. And instead of like entering into those moments with, I can't believe that you would ever do that to me, maybe we could default more on, I can't believe in the reality of what Jesus did for me, right? And, and that brings some amazing perspective. That brings some amazing resiliency into our relationships, into our challenges, into our conflicts, and it opens up the door to be able to love. So let's go for it. Let's, let's love one another with continual amazement, and it goes on and also talks about loving each other with supernatural empowerment. Here's, here's what it says. It says, Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love is perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us, because he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love. And whoever abides in him abides in God, and God abides in him. All right, there's a whole lot in there. And again, it's this weaving of different subjects, bringing them all together and creating this beautiful tapestry. But he makes the point, this, this obvious point that we all know that no one has ever seen God, right? That's it's true. No one has ever seen God. And so just to clarify, God does not look like Morgan Freeman, um, even though times, oftentimes we're portrayed that way. And, and he isn't in the business of revealing himself as a physical form. So, so the reality is none of us in this room can ever say we've actually seen God. We, we haven't with our physical eyes. And of course, that is one of the greatest challenges to belief, isn't it? Right? If we can't see God, 
how can we know that he's real? And that's a, that's a really good question. If you've ever thought that question and you thought maybe because I'm asking this question something, something's deficient in my faith, it's not. John posed it right here. But there's a solution to that. He tells us that, that God chooses to abide, to, to, to make his presence known amongst his people as his people love one another. Isn't that amazing? So, so what he's saying is this, abiding love is the solution to the challenge of an invisible God. And that's a pretty fantastic invitation for the church, right? God says, you major, you major on loving each other. You jump into this loving each other thing, and as you do that, I'll make myself known. I'll make my, my, my presence among you evident. It, it, it talks about God giving us his spirit. That's, that's how God abides in his people, through his spirit. Once you've trusted in Jesus as Savior and as Lord, the Holy Spirit comes and makes his home inside of our hearts. And, and, and John says that, that the abiding presence of his spirit, um, as that happens, that his love is perfected. And, and perfected by perfected means, doesn't mean that it's perfect love. It means that it's completed love. That's the, that's the idea behind that. That, that means that, that we need the Holy Spirit to do this loving one another thing. That means it's beyond us. It's not something we do on our own. Uh, it requires supernatural power. And sometimes you've got to call in the experts um, I am not an expert on just about everything. And one area that I was recently reminded of that I am not an expert in is the area of electricity. So, so, so early on during the shutdown, um, we decided we were going to redo Bethany's bedroom. And we painted it, and then we were going to put a new um, outlets in. And, and the last thing was this dimmer switch that we had to change. And... Uh, and, and I'm not an expert in electricity. You know, there's, there's some things that you can learn by trying and failing, right? But electric is not one of those areas you want to, like, try and fail at because it can be fatal. <laughs> and, and so, um, and so, uh, and so I, was, I was changing this light dimmer in Bethany's room. Uh, I had the thing opened up. I have absolutely no idea what to do. There are wires coming out of the wall, more wires coming out of the wall than you would ever imagine belong in a wall. There are red wires, there's black wires, there's white wires. There's not just one of them. There's like 15 of each wire coming out. And, And of course, the new dimmer switch is completely different from the dimmer switch I was taking out. So it wasn't just a matter of unscrewing a couple of wires and replacing it. I have no idea what I'm going to do. And so what do I do? I call Eric Stoll. Uh, Eric Stoll knows electric. He's, you know, he's very acquainted with this stuff. And I call him up. I'm like, Eric, do you have a minute? I have no idea what I'm going to do, and I don't want to burn the house down. And so he says, listen, Take a picture of the wall, take a picture of the wires, take a picture of the light dimmer, and text them to me. All right, so I took the pictures, texted them to him, and then waited a few minutes, and a few minutes later, a picture texted back, which was a diagram that he had written out, 
that had precise instructions, connect this wire to this wire, put this one here, put that one there, and, and it was exactly what to do to get that light switch back working. And so I followed what he laid out, I followed basically the expert, and in a few minutes, um, the light worked, and I didn't electrocute myself, and the house didn't burn down, it was such a win. Um, and what we see here is that this, this task of loving one another requires that we bring in the expert. It's not something we do on our own. It's not something we do for God. It's something we do through God, through the empowering presence of the Holy Spirit who's residing in our lives. He's the expert, and he's in the business of working through ordinary people like you and like me to love others in extraordinary ways and to do what we would never do on our own. And so he'll point you to someone, and, and, and he'll make it evident. You see, hey, you see that guy right there? I want you to love on him. I, I want you to love on him like I've loved you. And you might say, love him? I don't even like that guy. He'll say, yeah, but I love him. And I want you to love him too. I want him to know my love, and I want you to be the vessel through which he knows my love. And so, here's what I'm asking. You provide the willingness, and the Holy Spirit says, I'll provide the power. I'll do the work. That's, that's how this thing works. That's perfected love. That's completed love. It goes to us, through us, to someone else. And, and that's the kind of life that the Holy Spirit is at work in us to live. And so it's up to us to make sure that the love that's being poured into us, it's making our way through us and making its way out to someone else. And it just basically says, guys, church, Christian community, as you guys set yourself about that task, know this, I am going to make myself known. You are going to know that God is in the house. The solution to the challenge of an invisible God is, is perfected love, the Holy Spirit working through his people to love one another. And as that happens, God shows up. It, it happens in community, and, and it's compelling, and it's something that you don't see anywhere else but in the body of Christ. It's a precious thing. God's presence manifested in, in Christian community as we're doing life together. And, and let me just say this, and, and I want to say this is not any kind of me making some kind of statement, but Christian community is essential. It's not optional. No matter what is going on in our world today, Christian community, this call that we have been given by God to love one another, it doesn't happen through social distancing, right? You know, and that's even true for a non-hugger like me, right? You guys know me. I'm not the biggest hugger in the world, but we need to be able to, to wrap our arms around a brother in a time of need. That's not optional. We, we need to come alongside each other when we're going through tough times and pray for each other. That's how we love. That's not optional. We, we need to love each other. Now, now don't, 
Please don't hear that and say, Pastor Brian has taken a stand, you know. That's not what this is about. I don't, it's not even about if you're physically here or not. What it's about is making sure that you're not isolating yourself. That you're not just like checking out during this time, whether you're physically here or not. Um, you know, there, there is this tendency that some people have. It's like, okay, I'm hitting the pause button on everything, and I'll check back in when things are back to normal. And, and maybe we can do that to some things, but, but this call that we have to love one another cannot be put on hold. And, and isolating and checking out is, that's toxic to everything that we've been called to do as Christians, okay? Again, it has nothing to do with, with whether, you know, the laws that are in place are appropriate or not. I, I, I defer to, yes, they are appropriate, but, but the question is, what does that mean for me? So, so again, let's love. Let, let, let his love loom large in our lives. Let the Holy Spirit, let's, let's use the spiritual strength that the Holy Spirit provides to love. And there's one final aspect, which is, this aspect of confident assurance. It bre- loving each other breeds confident assurance before God. So here's, here's what it says. <clears throat> By this is love perfected with us so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment because as he is, so also are we in this world. There's no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. That's, uh, that's, that's again, bringing this back to its logical conclusion of connecting the the vertical relationship and the realities that we have with God to how it plays out in our everyday relationships. But it's interesting that it talks about this. It talks about the reality of Judgment Day, right? And this is what I love about going through books of the Bible, is like you just come up on topics that, yeah, I, I don't have a desire to talk about Judgment Day, but here we are. It's come up. And so we got to talk about it. There's a reality in Scripture that says that there is a day that is coming when every person is going to stand before God, that they're going to give an account for their life. And and we don't know when that day is going to be, but there is no denying that that day is coming. It's on God's calendar. And the whole idea of that can set some people really on a stressful course. It can, it can be a source of incredible anxiety, worry, and fear. Oh my gosh, how am I ever going to stand before God? You know, and if you don't know where you stand before God, that's completely understandable. I would, I would lose sleep over that. I would be stressed out on a daily basis. And and one thing that I, I heard about this from, uh, I believe it was Francis Schaeffer described Judgment Day, and he said, he said this, picture it this way. God's not going to judge you based on his standards, but he said, imagine that every day of your life there is an invisible hanging tape recorder over your, that, that's hanging from your neck, 
And every time you say the words, you should, that tape recorder starts recording. Because every time you say should, you are laying out a standard that this is what's acceptable, and if you don't do it, that's not acceptable. And what he says is that on Judgment Day, God's basically going to take out that tape recorder, he's going to push play, and you're going to be judged based on the stand, not on God's standards, but just on the standards that you said, that you set out, that we all set out. And the, the idea is that, that we don't even live up to our own standards, let alone God's expectations. And that's, that's the reality. But then John assures us of something else, that it is possible to have confidence about that day of judgment. Not because it's not coming, it's still coming, but there is a way in which it need not strike terror in our hearts. And that confidence, it's connected to God's love. And, and, and this is bringing the whole thing together. Again, it's not just because of the fact that God loves us, it's the specific act of God's love allows us to have confidence for what's coming. It's because of what Jesus did for us, because our lives have been wrapped up with him, because we're working out that love that he's worked into our lives. As that happens, it says fear gets replaced with love. It says God overthrows the fear of judgment through love. It's a great verse. Perfect love casts out fear. It exercises the demons of fear out of our lives. It's the same word for driving out demons. This love drives fear out of our hearts. And you see, that's, that's the reality of what the act of God's love accomplished. That's true because of the cross because of Jesus' atoning sacrifices, it has fused together our destiny with Jesus in the most powerful and the most profound way possible in such a way that our standing, our future, our destiny is settled, our acceptance is assured because our judgment day, it's already taken place. It happened on the cross. Jesus suffered judgment for us on the cross out of love for you and for me. And the more we comprehend that, that profound act of love, the more the fear of the future just drains out of our lives and it gets replaced with confidence and with love. And that's possible because of no other reason than that God sent his only son in the world that we might live through him. So let me ask you, do you have that peace? It's, it's not the peace that everything is going to work out and we know exactly how everything's going to play out the way I want. It's the, it's the peace that says, Jesus loves me, this I know. And that's ultimately what matters. And so he sets it out. He says, this, if that's true, here's how you're going to know. If you've got hatred in your heart, if you're harboring hatred in your heart for a brother or a sister in the Lord, you're not going to have that peace. It's going to elude you. If you look at others with contempt, that's an indication that there is something that has gone way off. John says he's a lot more 
blunt about it. Just basically, you're, you're a liar. You're living a lie. Because this love of God, the real deal, it's always going to work its way out in the way that we do life, the way that we do life with others. And living out that life of love, it's an outcome of having been loved by God. We love others because <clears throat> he first loved us. And God wants us to live with that confidence. You know, it's the whole reason John writes this letter. Less, less fear, more hope, right? Less doom and gloom and more, more hope for the future. Freedom to love each other, the confidence to move into these relational challenging situations without needing to get something from someone else. We've already gotten everything that we need from, from Jesus and, and we're just free to give. We're free to pour out. We're free to live our lives for the people that God's placed in them and really love them, even when there's nothing they give us in return. That's a beautiful thing. And so, guys, that's it's kind of an indication of where we're at. Let's, let us love one another, for love is from God. It's time to put it into action. You know, None of us were easy to love. God didn't look at any of our lives and just say, yeah, he's so cute. I just can't wait to love on him. We are all rebels, enemies, opposed to God, living in complete opposition to everything God wanted when he loved us, when he sent his son to die for us. See, we don't love because it's easy. We love because we've been loved first by God. And there's some amazing opportunities in front of us to do that right now. So let's go for it. Pray with me, please, Lord.